Good evening, and welcome back to another episode of Friday Night Fireside Chats. I'm your host, Roy, and this podcast, if you are new, is a time to slow down, relax, and reflect at the end of uh, what typically might be a busy work week. The intention is to kind of enter a time where one can really check in with oneself and the topics of this podcast usually are focused on self-inquiry, growth, and self-understanding. And for tonight's topic, I will be talking about self-efficacy and embodiment or being present. Now, this is something I've been discovering, I think especially so since starting my own business, and certainly just learning a lot more about it um, in the year of 2020. 2020 really seems to be the year of transformation, um, certainly for myself and I imagine for many others as well. And self-efficacy has been a big theme here. And I think something that I want to speak to is what I seem to notice first through myself and then as I observe the world around me is that self-efficacy is I think is is lacking so how I define self-efficacy is the is one person's one sense that they can do something so the the mindset is I can I can do this and I think I think that sort of mentality is yeah it is lacking nowadays and with it has come a sort of outsourcing of an individual's own power and sense of agency and I think there's some sort of connection between the gradual erosion of self-efficacy and technology and entertainment, um, AI, artificial intelligence, and robots. And so I think one place I would like to just start off the top of my head would be um, let's say let me just use laundry machines for an example and how it how this ties into a sort of humorous um, I guess learning experience of mine for 2020 so this happened right around when was this 
uh, yeah, this was January 2020. Um, so before, before the pandemic really hit and you know, we had the corresponding lockdowns and quarantine response. So what happened was in, when was this? Somewhere mid or late 2019, I had decided that I wanted to switch to using, no longer using toilet paper. So see where, you see where this is going. Um, I decided I no longer wanted to use toilet paper because I did not want to, I guess, contribute to so much energy usage and waste anymore. Um, just learning about how there's a lot of energy uh, required to produce toilet paper. And so the the alternative would be to use a bidet and um, some sort of cloth you know to to wipe after using the bidet for but for that whenever I started that I I bought the bidet but I did not really ever commit to to buying the cloths and completely switching over to using a bidet because I had the bidet, you know, a portable bidet, and I had that that was it. And then I continued using toilet paper. And so the bidet just sat there in my bathroom um, collecting dust. And that changed come January 2020 because that was I think one of the New Year's intentions that I had set for myself was okay I'm I'm gonna go completely toilet paper list I'm gonna make the switch to a bidet so what do I need to do okay I need to get some cloth towels and um, you know a bucket with some vinegar and a cover to just kind of you know, soak the towels after I've completely finished using one. Um, and then once I've used them all, then okay, I'll throw them into the laundry and so forth, so on and so forth. And so I did it. Come January 2020, made the switch and realized very quickly that, you know, this isn't that bad. And it's al it always seems to be the getting started portion. But after... I get started, then you know, things things take off. It's like plane taking off uh, on the runway. Obviously, I'm very glad I made this switch even before the whole pandemic because when everybody else was freaking out about toilet paper, I was like, you know what? I'm just chilling. <laughs> I'm just chilling, and um, yeah, you know, good luck to y'all and you know some people in that desperate moment made the switch to bidet and the bidet sales started to skyrocket um but but that's just an example of doing something that 
it's not necessarily I didn't know how to do it. It was more so perhaps an initial bit of um, squeamishness, like, ooh, this is disgusting or nasty, and inconvenience. I think oftentimes it's more so inconvenience and uh, some some other sort of resistance so that could be disgust uh, or fear. But got over that, and to me that was a very simple experience of self-efficacy. I, I did it, and I can do this. Now, at the very beginning, I said laundry machines, right? So um, how that ties into this. Laundry machines, wonderful, great invention. Um, I can throw things into the laundry, and then when the uh, machine is doing its work cleaning my clothing, I can you know, do something else. I can read a book, I can go online, I can check my email, what have you. But, um, I mean, prior to this, it was people just wash, hand wash all their clothes. We had the, uh, man, you know, because we've been so long without it, I don't even remember what it's called. But, um, you know, this, this board with ridges to scrub and wash the clothes on. And, yeah. It was all done by hand, and there's a certain there's there's a manual labor that goes into it, and that that that's an example of, to me anyways, self-efficacy. You know, you can do this, and you are doing it. You know, I'm I am physically washing my clothes with my hands. Um, but now we have the luxury of laundry machines doing that work for us and you know we now we've gone above and beyond just laundry machines to a whole host of different inventions that um, essentially take the manual labor and effort and cognition cognitive ability out of certain tasks that we used to do by hand now I think a a side effect of that is the decrease in self-efficacy because it you're afforded this luxury to not think you're afforded this luxury to focus on something else so with a laundry machine like when it's in its cycle for whether it's a 15 or 30 minute or 60 minute cycle you know I can use that time to do something else and I'm not thinking about my clothes because I'm thinking well when when the machine stops or it beeps, like, that's all. All I have to do is just hang the clothes up. Now, there, there's something to the not having to think about it that I think takes, takes a person out of being present and being em embodied. Um, there, there's a pathway then to um, I guess what's what's the word I'm looking for your 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 attention effort 
um, and I think the word is proprioception. It's like the, and if I'm wrong, forgive me for that, but I think proprioception, if I recall the, um, definition is like your, your ability to sense your orientation in space. So other objects and your spacing in relationship in regard to those objects, um, whether you're on flat land or you're on slightly bumpy land when you're upside down, things like that. So, so spacing and awareness of spacing. Um, I think a person's sense of proprioception is also diminished and eroded when you know that that awareness and that effort is outsourced to something else because if if say I'm afforded that luxury to not have to think about my clothes when it's in the laundry machine um, and I you know I I check my emails or I check social media that is more a um, that's a completely different uh, state of mind and state of being. It's it's more heady and ethereal, if you will, because email right and social media they don't exist in some sort of physical location. It's like they are in the interwebs, this collective ether somewhere out here, you know, in the cloud or something. And uh, I'm not really so much grounded in my feet and present in my physical body when I'm doing those things. It's kind of like, you know, if you think about watching a movie, if you're really engrossed in a movie, you're not thinking, oh, here I'm physically located in this movie theater or wherever I am watching a movie. You're, you're completely engrossed and it's like you don't exist for a while, but your consciousness is just following this narrative being told in this movie. So that's, that's setting the stage, right? I'm just setting the stage for, um, a simple example with a laundry machine, uh, a use of a bidet and how that can create a sense of self-efficacy. Um, now the next part of that is I, I made a conscious decision to wash my towels that I wipe my butt with by hand. And the reason I wanted to do that was because I I wanted to be very present and embodied with um, my my own self, you know, the use of a bidet and then wiping with these towels and then hand washing these towels that I mean if you're if you're if you're to look at them, right, it's uh well the towels are dark blue so you can't really see anything um but there's definitely some poop particles for for sure and um 
you know, I, I didn't think about that whole activity. It's like, oh, I, I'm so going to enjoy this, you know, uh, washing my poopy towels. It was, it was, it was more a decision to, strangely, um, uh, kind of ground myself um, to really bring myself back down to the, down to the earth, you know, very gritty. Because it's not, it's not a clean, you know, thing. It's, uh, it's very much dealing with, you know, the bodily waste stuff and things we don't ever want to think about. Like, oh yeah, we, we poop and pee and sometimes we vomit, snot, pus, all this other stuff. Like we, we, we actively try to avoid that and be as, um, you know, averse to these things and to me I was like nope I want to plunge plunge directly into that um, and I, I it's really hard to put into words the the feeling behind that I think the best way I can describe it is where I see myself at times and the world at large in modern society and especially in you know large cities and developed areas I think it's way easy for us to get caught in this sense of self-importance of like oh we're, we're these big-minded people and we're doing big and great things and with that comes it inflated sense of importance and ego that all the more menial things or subtle or seemingly insubstantial things we look down on it's like oh that's that's so meager like that's you know the plebes they're the ones who do that or the grunt workers they're the ones who do that and I think that is actually a distorted view of reality and with that, you know, people have lost a sense of actual self-efficacy and true groundedness, you know, being a grounded feet on the earth um, and in tune with nature and the beauty and grittiness of nature. And so to me, I, I wanted to bring myself closer to that. Um, this sense that I'm not some inflated, elevated being, but I am someone who is able to experience both. You know, I have my feet down here on the earth and my head in the heavens and my heart connecting both. And through that, being, being able to live a more embodied life where I can see the significance and beauty in everything um, versus elevating certain things and then just putting down other things. And so when I decided you know, I'm going to wash my poopy cloths, and I did, it, I don't know, something about that felt very significant. I won't say it was like a magical feeling, but it was um, 
it was poignant. It was poignant to do that. And it was, there was kind of a sense of, hey, I'm, I'm remembering where I come from. I'm not forgetting where I come from. And, you know, if you want to stick with this analogy, um, I've come from poopy cloths, you know, as a, as a baby. I, as a baby, I made many poopy cloths, um, or maybe not cloths, but poopy diapers at the very least. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a particularly beautiful thing, you know, as I think most parents would um, attest to, you know, they don't change their baby's diapers with a sense of, oh, you know, there's, there's such beauty in this pile of steaming poop in this diaper that I'm changing. It's like, no, this is, I'm, I'm about to throw up and uh, I gotta get this out as soon as possible. How did you even make this big of a dump in here? And you're just a little baby, right? So it's, um, it's very bringing a person back down to their, you know, down to some roots, down to the earth and grittiness. Um, and I think when a person is able to work with that, um, see the value in it, like see the beauty in it as, hey, this is, this is a way to remind myself to be level-headed, to be down on the earth, you know, and not too inflated. There's, there's a very significant power to that. Um, and in that, it also creates a sense of, I would say, self-efficacy that's very grounded and present because then you can approach so many things in life with that same attitude of, you know, I, I know where I come from and I've, I've been in the mud, I've been in the grittiness and uh, I can handle it. I, I can deal with it. But for those who haven't experienced that um, oftentimes they don't do too well they because they live in a s sense of they, they live in avoidance of things so anything that presents itself as gritty dirty um, inciting a sense of disgust squeamishness any sort of resistance they they immediately say no they, they put up a wall and say nope I'm not going to deal with that I'm not going this route and I think something you can discover if you just live in that state of being all your life is um, I think a sense of unful being very unfulfilled because if you're always in avoidance to something uh, you you live in a very limited perspective. There's there's less doors open because you you have said no to certain things, and with that also comes a deep sense of frustration, because then it's kind of like ah you know I I can't do this or I can't do that. Um, I can only do this, and at a certain point, you know I think that that frustration is going to have to find an outlet one way or another. And so I think oftentimes the people who do well in life are the ones who 
are able to experience a sense of self-efficacy that they can do it and being able to experience and feel that in situations that aren't always the most glamorous but can be very dirty and gritty but that's where that sense of I think fight and strength can come from so now thinking about this you know this lack of self-efficacy that I perceive in modern society and I have also perceived in myself um, I think has to do with the outsourcing of this can-do mentality that I am self-efficacious and how that outsourcing happens I think is you know tied closely to the example I gave of the laundry machine and the bidet and the poopy cloths is that 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 effort of doing something has been outsourced to somebody else Uh, it can be outsourced to other people it can be outsourced to artificial intelligence and robots and something I've thought about is okay so we we talk about how you know technology has improved our lives it helps, helps save time energy and frees us up to do have more time to do things that we actually want to do you know I I really question that because just looking at my own life at times uh, yes you know technology has helped freed up time but it hasn't exactly freed up time to do the things that are deeply enriching and meaningful in fact it's actually freed up more time to become distracted and preoccupied with entertainment that you know yes can bring some joy and happiness for a while but ultimately is not really building anything there might be some inspiration here and there you know as people are able to share their lives and what they're doing with each other but oftentimes it just becomes a a distraction and people vicariously live through other people's lives rather than actually presently living their own and being fully embodied in their own life i think that's a big um i think that's a big issue um yeah, I, I don't really see how that time has really been freed up to do the things that are most life-giving. And so as I began to realize this, um, making an attention of, okay, I, I really need to reflect and change some things uh, to take inventory uh, rather than just you know continue to live in a state of uh, autopilot I because I I honestly think there there could be a time not too far from now where people may be may be completely okay with even having a robot or artificial intelligence some microchip implanted in their head 
to have uh, artificial intelligence entity to do all the thinking for them. Like I, I would not be surprised if that were true. Um, that some people would actually want that. And in a way, it's like that already exists because that's that's the subconscious mind. Um, you know, just the simple example of you know you, you drive a car and you drive the same path every day. It becomes embedded in your subconscious so that. You could have a lengthy conversation on the phone or with the passenger and not actively think, okay, I got to turn here. Um, I got to move the car wheel like this, make sure I press the brake with my foot. Like you, you do that without thinking. And um, there, that's the autopilot taking charge. And it's, it's very helpful. It, it certainly helps um, helps free up, free up our consciousness to be focused on something that you know, might require more executive function. Because if you had to, if you had to think that every time and think, okay, okay, uh, remember to take a breath. Okay, inhale and exhale. Like you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get much done. But I think that. I think there's some sort of balance there between being able to do enough things with repetition. You know, it's been programmed into the subconscious and so that you can do it subconsciously. But you can also be aware that you are subconsciously doing something as opposed to unaware that you're subconsciously doing something. And um, I think that's that's a di that's the thing that I'm speaking of uh, when I talk about presence and embodiment, and that being tied to self-efficacy. Because um, yeah, I, I don't get the sense that many people are very present and embodied these days. Like I think people live up in their heads, and uh, you know, in in a place of distraction versus really having their feet connected to the earth uh, and present with every aspect of their life. You know, this sense that I'm, I'm, I'm in it and I'm doing it. Uh, to be in a state of just living in the subconscious, you know, it, it's more a sensation that life is happening to you as opposed to life is happening for you and you can make whatever decisions that you want to make to create the life that you want to create. Um, living in that state of the subconscious and just letting life kind of carry you, um, I think is a very easy state to create complacency and stagnance. And an, an example of how this also happens with people and how we outsource you know our sense of agency and efficacy outwards to people is um you know I, I think 2020 has been a great example of that because in light of the response that many people have to the pandemic 
and I would say it's more so the mainstream broadcasted uh, response. It's to me, it's been an illustration of people outsourcing their power to the scientists and the medical experts. You know, these these are the people who are like, all right, you know, they are the ones who are going to take care of my health. Um, and so, if I'm ever in a troubled spot, you know, they're they're the ones who are going to help and save me. Um, in that regard, it's essentially like you're telling your subconscious, uh, my health and any power over my health lies in the hands of the medical professionals and the scientists. N not in my own hands. No, it, it belongs in their hands. And so whatever they say, um, that's the way to go. That is the right thing. And while, while there's something to be said that, yes, you know, there's, there's people who spend their entire lives studying and practicing in a certain area, that does not mean that they have clearance for all this power and say in a person's life. It's just my own personal opinion. Even working as a therapist, you know, I, I can speak to my clients of what I see and what I sense, but in the end, they still get to make their own conclusions and their own decisions. And in the end, that's, that's what I'm trying to do as a therapist anyway, is to help them rediscover their own power. Because at the end of the day, I'm not there to tell them what to do. I can provide advice. I can offer suggestions. But in the end, they still have to make that decision. I can't make that decision for them. But I think that's what so many people are doing nowadays, is that they, they're asking somebody else to make the decision for them. They want somebody else to take care of them. Um, and I have some ideas of where that kind of, that comes from, but, uh, that's, that's a podcast for another time. Um, but in this, in this response to the pandemic, um, people, people have been very scared. And when you're in a state of just being very scared, you're also in a very highly suggestible state. If, if you think about being in a fearful state and somebody comes in uh, with a directive of like, you know, do this, do this. Um, let's say using the example of a burning building and you're in this burning building, you know, you're, you're terrified. You know? um, but let's say somebody breaks and rushes into that burning building and it's a firefighter and the firefighter says, get down, crouch, and, you know, I need you to go over here, and I need you to do this, and X, Y, and Z. Um, more likely than not, you're going to follow everything that firefighter said to the letter, and it's because in that fearful state, you are very open to suggestion. Anything that can create this sense of um, escaping this terror, you know, is is a sense of relief, and so... That's why sometimes people love having somebody tell them what to do uh, when when they're scared, when they're afraid. But that can that can be easy that can be easy to manipulate, and I personally have seen that in 2020 in terms of how people's minds have been conditioned to believe that they 
they are helpless, you know, and um, they ought to be fearing for their lives and their health all day, every day. And their only savior and deliverance will come from the professionals uh, who are, you know, they're, they're taking care of it. And so whatever they say, you know, just, just follow what they say. Um, and there's many people who are speaking out against that, but that, that certainly is not the mainstream because the, you know, mainstream media has their own interests and whoever owns them gets to direct what the message is. And there, there's little profit in empowering people. And I think that's frankly incredibly sad and twisted. Um, media, if anything, finds its profit in fear, gossip, um, and disempowering you so then they can sell you shit. And um, yeah, I think seeing that response of 2020 really of, of people to this pandemic solidifies to me how people have eroded their own sense of self-efficacy and outsourced that to somebody else. And so they're just in this state of learned helplessness and no longer present in their lives. You know, they're, they're no longer present and in charge of their lives, but they are at the mercy of fear and at the mercy of what the professionals are going to do to save them and or they project that fear onto the other people who actually do have a sense of self-agency self-efficacy and empowerment and tell them hey you know you can't be doing that you know you, you need to be doing this um that's that's often another response to fear is projecting one's own fear onto other people who are actually not afraid um yeah and so how how do people want to deal with this you know that, that that's a question i want to pose out there um, for each person to answer on their own is how how do how do you want to deal with this if if you are aware of um how you have given away your own power in your life and how you have eroded your self-efficacy by outsourcing, you know, your ability to do something to technology or to other people. I think for myself, the answer to how I want to deal with that is one, just personal responsibility. Um, you know, I, I'm the one who can do the research. I'm the one who can make changes. So if it's in terms of health, like, all right, I, I can learn about diet and food. Um, I can learn about optimal function for my cells, uh, how food and water play into that, and exercise and sleep, or let's say fixing something that that's broken. I can be the one to research and learn how to jumpstart a car, how to change a tire, how to do, say, hydroponic uh, 
gardening, how to you know, build, build a PC from scratch. Those are all things that I can research and learn about. And for, for anyone who has done that, for anyone who has researched something and done it through their own volition with their bare hands, um, I think you know what I'm talking about uh, when I talk about this sense of empowerment that you feel when you do that. Like, you, it's like, wow, I have accomplished something. You know, nobody here, nobody was here to hold my hand and do it for me, but I, I did it all by myself. It's, it's a great feeling of accomplishment and it's, it's like another, um, using that analogy of the cookie jar if you're not if you're not familiar with a cookie jar you know look up david goggins or check out my podcast um, titled the cookie jar but uh that that accomplishment is just like another cookie you're adding in the cookie jar like hey here here's something i can look back at if like i i did it and if i ever need to remind myself in a pinch that you know i have it in me to do something and figure it out here, here's a reminder. Let me pull this cookie out of the cookie jar. So, you know, the, my encouragement with this, um, with this whole podcast is to, is to reflect on where you have, where you might have eroded your self-efficacy. And with that, you know, how, how would you want to begin to reclaim a sense of self-efficacy in those areas of your life and to be present and embodied in those moments? Uh, I, I think I, I want to bring in this aspect of effort uh, from, from Kung Fu. So Kung Fu or Gong Fu different ways of pronouncing it um but gong fu the fu is effort it speaks to effort and the gong is a skill so it's like effort you are putting to build this skill and this is something i learned from master shi hung yi who's the um, headmaster at uh, the shaolin temple in germany uh, I think it was a very beautiful description of it and helped me understand that with with any skill that you're building, it, it requires effort. Um, you know, whatever trade that you're in, you, you had to put in effort to become skilled in that trade. And it's it's the effort, I think, where people can often get stuck um, because things might not improve as fast as they want want it to this is something i've been learning over and over again just being uh, an entrepreneur um, some days i just want to quit some days i think you know what i'm doing whether it's a podcast youtube videos content creation it's it's worthless you know that it's like okay i got how many views or responses or engagements like gosh you know maybe maybe nobody gives a shit and if nobody else gives a shit, then maybe I sh shouldn't either. And then I, 
have to kind of ground and remind myself again. Like, uh, I've planted a seed. It's not going to grow overnight. It's going to take time. And it might take a lot of time. But if it's something that I'm passionate about and brings me joy, then that's the important part. And that's the part that I have to come back to and remember. And that that's the effort. It's, it's a very gritty, you know, the cliche blood, sweat, and tears process. Um, and it requires a person to be fully present and embodied, you know, to feel every bead of sweat um, or the tears or the blood in, in, in creating this, in building this. And through that, you know, that's, I think that's where the self-efficacy really begins to grow and strengthen. Uh, because each of those moments that you invest that effort you, and you strengthen that skill and you slowly begin to see the results of that uh, really becomes a testament later to yourself of, I know what this whole journey was like. I knew what it took. And when you finally arrive at one milestone, because I don't think it's ever a full arrival um, but when you just arrive at one milestone, you you know how good it feels. Because part of it, how good it feels is directly related to you know where you had to come from to get there. And again, using the bidet and the poopy cloths, it's like, you know, you... You know the humble beginnings uh, that you came from to arrive at where you are now. And that gives it so much more significance. And so I think part of self-efficacy requires presence and embodiment in those moments of grit um, and adversity. And I think that's that's all I have uh, on that topic for now. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Friday Night Fireside Chats. If you'd like to learn more about the work that I do, you can visit my website, www.sacredwildman.com. And if you have enjoyed uh, my content, whether it's this podcast um, or my website, my YouTube channel, I invite you to consider donating to support the work that I do. Um, and you can find a link to do that on the homepage of my website. And with that, I will conclude this podcast and I wish you all a great Friday evening and a restful weekend. <laughs>